Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to part three of a four-part podcast series. And we're featuring Kenneth Mukokane. He's the pastor of the largest Hawaiian language church, the largest Hawaiian church in the state of Hawaii. Um, it also happens to be one of the three oldest churches in the state, planted by the original missionaries over 200 years ago. If you're struggling with an old church that doesn't want to change, you want to hear Ken talk about the way that he managed to get old people, people in their 70s and 80s, uh, interfacing with street urchins. I mean, kids he just pulled in off the street, uh, started doing doing this. They had built a gym. Nobody was using the thing. Uh, Ken goes out in the street, starts making friends with the kids. Suddenly there's like 200 kids and he gets these really old people to interface with the kids and God goes to work, starts doing incredible things. Uh, this church is making a huge impact uh, with, with a guy who didn't even really qualify to be the pastor according to the rules that they had. Uh, God has just done amazing things, and I think it's going to really encourage you and bless you. I'm hoping that you'll stick with us for all four parts of this series, because all of them are kind of the heart and soul of whatever I've done as a pastor. You're going to meet my friend John Honnold here. He was on a podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, John's a lifelong friend for me. I helped disciple Ken, but really I discipled John, and John discipled Ken, and that's kind of the way that it goes. And I think you're, you're going to get really blessed, especially by the mechanics of what Ken did to get around the rules and all this stuff in a very, very ancient church. Tell us a little bit about vision and where where the church is going and and how John figures into that. And, and John, you speak into it as well, uh, because you guys' relationship goes back to the 1980s, early, yeah. and yeah. now, now it continues, and it's and it's affecting a lot more people than yeah. Kauai Hall Church. Uh, yes, Kauai Hall Church. Go ahead, John. Well, um, I'll just I'll start it. So we had that meeting with you, Ralph, in the early part of 2018, and we we met with Ken, and basically you, as you know, you basically encouraged him, you should go for it, because remember you were you were seriously considering, you were the candidate that they were offering it to you and you were doing one last fight as to why you shouldn't be <laughs> here's your spiritual dad saying why not so that Ralph that was a, just that conversation you really encouraged Kent that that you know for such a time as this that was the pro I remember that profound conversation so after the three of us met um, Ken um, pretty much said I'm in you know he, he you know he talked to his wife he talked to his mom who is such an incredible gift in this whole thing this patriarch of the family that is Christ in Ken's family. And so as we got closer, his he's going to start in May of 2018. A couple months before, he gives me a call and he goes, I want you with me. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I go, he goes, you know what? I, he goes, different though. He goes, I want you to be a consultant. And he goes, he goes, he goes, you got to show me how to do church. He goes, I've done the office and I've done all this stuff, but we got a nuts and bolts. We got to bring vision and let's bring out the best in what God has for Kauai House. So I agreed to be a part-time consultant to him and Ken, I'll bring it from there. So you start 
started in May of 2018. Yeah, knowing nothing about how to do church, how to manage church. Um, and John came in, not not to tell me what to do, but, but to say, here is what is presented to you. And these are the different things according to how we've done it before. And and so what 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 he did was he made me made up make up my mind and so I went to prayer and everything because I don't know what I'm doing I really don't know what I'm doing and Ralph that's what you teach people if you if you want to lead get on your knees and I got on my knees and I really needed help and God helped me through this whole thing you know he brought John back he brought you back and um, I had. I had people skills. I didn't have administrative skills. I didn't know what vision was or mission. You know, I did SWOT analysis. I did all this, you know, organizational stuff, but I didn't know how to put put one and one together. And that was the piece that Hope Chapel, Hope Chapel Kaneohe brought to me was I just went back to those times and saw how all the people that you put into place and then sent them off. They would come back for for some remedial work, and then you sent them off again until they took their until their flight wings um, came in, and then and then they just went. and And so I I actually begged John help me until I get my flight wings, you know, built. And he's he he did the Hope Chapel process with me of not telling me what to do. But saying, here is how we do it. Set the vision. And the vision is that the mission of God is, is the premise for everything else. If if God is not the goal, then that is not church. And so everything that I have been doing is not to honor God, but to love God. And in order to love, how do how do I place myself in a place where I show people how to do that? And all of that stuff came from my my 20-something years of being nurtured at Hope Kaneohe. And so that's all the stuff that I'm using because people have kept going, oh, you're using the Hope Chapel method. I went, well, okay, you can call it a method, but every one of us are individuals. So every one of us are going to take what's useful and, and, and go with it and what's not useful according to the environment that we're in and leave that behind. And so we have to morph and shape and mold according to what God is telling us to do. But the foundation is what really is the difference. And Hope and Hope Chapel Kaneohe created a foundation, which means the, the wider I go, the higher I go, because I cannot, I cannot be formational if I can't be transformational. And the transformational part is so wide because you've given me so much. I mean, I know you don't know my my history, but because of that one little chance of making a recording studio, I've had a recording studio for decades, and I've also because of that one record or several records we did, I I started doing um, album projects first time album projects for other denominations you know i did wayne codero's first album um, that they busted i did uh, word of i mean i've done so many for other churches and, and other denominations based on the stuff because you folks said remember john we went to the hosanna integrity um, with Bob Fitz to see how they did their production work so we could do that production work. But Ralph, you sent us there. Yeah, so you pay for everything, think, Ralph. Yeah. You pay for everything. So how can how can I say that I did it? No, it's because of your your foresight, which is why in my foresight, I I do 
I do the stewardship. I, I do all of these other things and go fly. If you need help, I'll help. But my job is not to lord over you because we already have a lord. Mine is to give you support if you if, if you ever have to land for a little while. So here's what I watch Ken do, Ralph. So in the in year one, we get together and basically I'm I'm his whiteboard guy now. You know, how do we bring out his ideas? How do we bring out all this stuff? And and as so Ken begins to get on his face and and he he comes up with a vision plan where we're going to begin to tweak things. So we present it to the to the board and they're not quite ready for it. And there's wisdom in what they're saying because this is these are incredible elders that have carried the church. Hey, let me you let know. me let me just introduce something here. There there are guys that are listening to this who are pastoring 80, 100 year old church, and they're coming up against obstacles, people who are not ready to do this, and they're in despair. And what you're about to say, if you're listening, and this is this is you, you're you're struggling with an older congregation setting their ways and um, you know us four no more sometimes is a mentality uh, there there's hope for you and there's hope in Jesus and uh, John and Ken are going to tell you about the light at the end of the tunnel and just what has gone on in their relationship and, and where it's all going so go ahead. I mean we're, we're talking about a church that was started uh, uh, almost 300 years ago or whatever or maybe it, it, it's 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 an old congregation and 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 it's got monster tradition and it's got monster heritage when when the kings and queens of the kingdom of Hawaii were a major part of the, it, it, it's like their their presence is still felt everywhere. In Ken is the pastor of all the Hawaiians. You know, you talk to any Hawaiian, right, Ken? And it's just like they they drive by and go, "That's my church." They've never been in. They've never gone. But their auntie or their uncle or somebody's gone. They know that their kahu is Ken. And if if they if they want to get married or if they ever need somebody to bury them, that's why Ken is so busy all. But so we start this process. The elders they're not re- quite ready for it. So and then one of the one of the elders incredibly says. He goes, you know what? He speaks into our lives. He's on the board, this guy named Monty. And he says, you know what? You guys need to socialize. So Monty talks to me and and here's here's the board because they're they're for him. They hired Ken, but they're not ready for the the bigger picture of what the Holy Spirit's going to do because Ken is a visionary change agent that has been sent by God to bring rescue and refreshment and the next stage and another 100 years of Kauai Church. So um, he goes, focus on what you do well. So that's when Ken and I come up with the idea. You know what, Ken? You know how to do um, a production, which is Sunday Church. And he said, let's begin to morph and introduce your values in, in your message presentation, in music, in, in the Eucharist. We still use the term Eucharist. Let's, without doing that, let's work within that framework. And then Ken charges me with the idea of, um, with the board's approval, we put together a task force, which they privileged me to lead. And, and you, don't attend, you don't attend the church. You're an outside consultant. Oh. You're pastor. No, but, but for the next four years, Ralph, four years, because what we, um, Ken says, you know what, you need to lead a redesign process of bylaws, organizational structure. Ralph, I've never done this before, but I have the trust of my friend Ken and years of experience. And then I find out that we know more than we think we do. And the long and the short of it is um, we get to be a part of a task force that over four years, we 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 take a five-headed structure, five different committees that are the power structure, turn it into one, we call it the one governing board, which was voted in overwhelmingly on February 19, 2023. We socialize it so well. I think what can we had one opposing vote. 
vote? One. One One opposing vote. But it was approved by the majority. Everybody in the church liked it. And we only had one negative vote. So we put this new structure that has been there forever, five to one. Um, We redo the bylaw to to support this thing. And because the bylaws in a traditional church, I know some of you guys here watching, they become as important. And I, I say this sometimes, if not more than the word of God. Yes. Because you're so used to polity and structure. Well, the bylaws say this. And well-meaning people, they get caught in it because they love the Lord, but they, they're only taught bylaws and polity. So Ken is speaking the word of God every Sunday, led by the Spirit. He's doing things, and he's returning to the foundation of, of the Bible and Jesus Christ as the authority. And then we find in the old bylaws, Ralph, that the original, what is it, the confessions, or what is the first part of the bylaws in Kauai Hau, Ken? Oh, the affirmation of faith. The affirmation of faith. We find out that in the current bylaws that are there, the bylaws surrender all authority to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So what Ken does is he brilliantly teaches through the the foundational structure, and he wins everybody's heart because they go, he's really returning us. And then he starts talking about traditional pastors and mission, and people are also going, we want to be that. We want to be that. And But it takes around four years to do this. And in the midst of it, um, he's weathering things. He's turning the other cheek. Um, I The one thing that is a strength of Ken McConney, a number of things, but um, um, Covey talks about in the seven habits, he talks about um, habit four, habit five is win-win. Think win-win. And so most people think, Ralph, it's either heads or tails. It's either yes or no. But Ken likes to turn a quarter on his side and says there's always a third alternative, yes. which is called win-win. And he begins to bring that in. And I'm even, you know, my strong personality. I'm going, you know what? We got to get rid of that person. We got to uh-huh. change it. Ken goes, you know what? That auntie's been here a long time. Their family is there. You don't know her story. You know, let's just wait her out or let's, you know, uncle's going to be fine. And that's that endearing love that he brings. The third alternative. It was, if you want to talk about the secret sauce, which carried us in a four-year transition, that was it. Right? He wouldn't let go of anybody. He respected the old wineskin. He patiently waited the process. So February 19th, um, 2023, it was approved. In April, we had the vote of new board members. And we have five new people that have never been in leadership before at the board level. We sat the board just in July. And now our new assignment is, is that because we've so changed it. Now, I, I my next assignment with Ken is to train up the guys that are missional to move us to the next and um, we're gonna have a meeting in a week and talk about the next 15 20 years like wow so that's that show as as you're talking about this and and you're talking about this this statement of affirmation the one thing that i think i've noticed i I have noticed is that quite often uh when when you actually successfully uh restructure and reform a, a, a church missionally and you come back to Jesus' mission, that when you get into the original founding document, you find out that the, the reason that the thing exists in the first place is the same values that you, years later, are trying to instill in the church. Those are the founding values. And yes. if, if we can honor honor the, to me, you, you always got to honor the traditional. So I've never pastored a church where I followed another pastor. I've always started church. But I've always made a vow that no matter what the guy did, if the guy was an adulterer and he got caught in adultery and or stole money from the church and I became the pastor, 
I would still stand up there and honor that person. And, and I would look for the good because I always look for what's respectable in everybody. Uh, oh. and, and so I would I would always just try to honor that guy so that rather than the negativity of we're tearing something down, it's let's just take, we got breakage, let's admit it. Let's build on from there. So if I, if I have this in my mind, how much more when I'm facing some tr- re- religious traditionalist who loves Jesus, but they're caught in the bylaws, if, if I could honor an adulterer, how come I couldn't honor a, a, a resolute board member who opposes me? And if I can learn to do that, I can find that that middle ground. I can find that way forward. Ken, I, I, I stopped you. Go ahead and share. What you talk about is exactly the same thing my father did once because uh, when he was passing the church. Um, I can't tell you about the situation, but it was it was a radical situation and the police were going to come and because my mother was going to call the police and um and then my mom my dad stopped my mother and he called the person's parents in and discussed it and you know and of course they were shame um and then he looked at my mom and he said how will what you do make this better for this family and he said if this person goes to jail we don't only lose that person we also lose that person's mother and father and sister and cousins and 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 he went, how, how, how can you substantiate the value of God's love if just when you take down one person, you take down the whole family? And what you just talked about is the same thing my dad did. And they, and, and they blessed them and he let, and, and he let them go. And that family became the, one of the main pillars of the church for the next 25 years. Wow. You know, it brought, it, it brought unity and love and compassion. So what you, you talk about is that I, I just want to harp on, not harp, you know, but jump into what John was saying, because yes, we did change the bylaws, but I know that we have people that are listening, thinking, man, that's a tough thing to do. So what I did in the beginning of my ministry, when I found the, that it was too traditional and I couldn't get the Ministry of Evangelism and Outreach to do evangelism and outreach, I created a new ministry just in the pastor's office and I, cre- and I created a ministry called InReach. And so what I did was I found um, kids on the street, organizations that needed a place and so and I brought them in and then I told my outreach, okay, you just you just have to walk three steps and they're right there rather than going outside in the community because they were old and not lazy but they were old um so the thing is as you're trying to change you have to show because what's that passage you know when when Jesus says about uh, uh, about the other people who do you think they say I am and then what does Thomas uh, you know he looks at Thomas and he goes who do you say I am you know and then then Thomas you know then Thomas even even when he was in there when Jesus came back with the, uh, the apostles and they're trying to tell him, he's here he's here and what did he say unless I can put my hands and I can see and I can feel, I'm not going to believe. And even when Jesus was on the cross, and what did those people, they looked up and goes, oh, wow, you Jesus Christ, man, well, I mean, if you were really God, why don't you come down so that we, then then we'll believe. It's like seeing is seeing, seeing is not believing. Seeing is seeing and believing is believing. So there are people in churches that have to see to believe. And so we show them not the miracles of Jesus Christ, but we show them Jesus Christ. Because I think we've been preaching miracles way too long, and we put the thing on the Siegfried and Roy, thought, ta-da, oh, that's why he's Jesus. No, he Jesus, that's why he can do that. You know, we, we got to flip the round. So instead of harping on the miracles, we got to harp 
on the miracle worker. It's like, I have a hammer. Wow, that was a great hammer. No, it's the carpenter that's the one that creates that. You know, and so what what I did, thanks to John, is I went outside and I brought a homeless, uh, uh, a woman that was pastoring homeless people by the hundreds that didn't have a place. I yeah. brought them to my gym, you know, and for the last five years, they've been going for three times a week inside the gym. I, I, I brought 500 homeless and low-income housing kids and uh, we brought it to the gym and then we started we started a um, friday service for for well i didn't call it a service i called it life under construction for kids um and we started with like five kids and in a month we went over 200 kids and and then i started bringing these anyway i don't want to tell stuff but the idea is the church started seeing the outside without uh without going outside because i did the inreach i brought them in so that they went oh my gosh and and so part of a, a large part of how the bylaws got changed is because they could see the what if right in front of their noses because they weren't willing to go outside. So I had to bring them in and show them what the community is and, and how we need to bring them together. And so what John did was he said, give them the best service. So I gave them the best Sunday service because most of them are Sunday people. And yeah. the rest of the week, they could care less, but they're Sunday people. And then the ones who cared, I, I, I showed them throughout the week, this is how we care for people in our world. And then, and then the church went, wow, because we started getting on the news. We started getting by word of mouth. Social media was saying, oh, come to Kauai House Church. You know, they're doing, they're doing COVID shots um, every week. We're doing this and that every week. We're helping homeless. Every week. And, the, and the church goes, I didn't know we we're doing that, but we were. So you, you help the ones who are in there, the traditionalists, while you and a team of volunteers that you could choose go out and start doing the things. And then they can see, then they start to filter out and do it. Because if seeing is believing, they're going to start to see and, and, and work that thing. And God's going to move the congregation to go, yes, we can. And that's how we change the bylaws, by, by them seeing the possibilities. Because the traditional older people who cannot go out and do it anymore. And it's not their fault, but they just don't have the capacity to do that anymore. And I honor that about my elders. And so I try to find the younger ones that will do it. And so between John and I, that's how we we moved both the elder as, as well as the community of younger people together. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.